Good morning. I want to I want to just introduce this topic of breakthrough prayer into God's blessing. Breakthrough prayer into God's blessing and favor. And this term blessing, breaking through into a deeper blessing and favor, this is a massive topic in Scripture. Do you know that the word Barak in Hebrew uh, means blessing, and it's mentioned 330 times in the Old Testament, the word Barak. And that word blessing um, means, you know, in the New Testament translated over, is the outpouring of God's grace upon a person's life. And this, this, this level of grace or blessing and favor are a profound thing you want to walk in. From here to the end, um, there is general blessing on all people. God's, you know, God's rain falls on the just and the unjust. There's general blessing. You know, we get access to medical care or clean water. No matter what we do with God directly, there's, an, there's always a blessing because God is blessing. And so no matter who you are in the earth, you're going to be blessed. Just by having life itself and ability to keep eating and living, that is a blessing. So, But what we're talking about here is an upgraded level of the blessings of God to where we, we're walking in the full blessing and the full favor of God. That fullness of blessing and fullness of favor. It says in the early church, they were of one mind and the one heart and of one life in, book, in the book of Acts. And great grace was upon them all. So there's levels of grace. There's levels of blessing. There's levels of favor. And the highest blessings are reserved for those people that walk in the criterion or the qualifications or the conditions of being blessed. Now here's what you need to know. All the blessings that God has for you and me and our church family and others, all of that's already been purchased. It's in your bank account. It's, it, you, don't, you don't earn blessing. You don't earn favor. But you do position yourself in life to be able to appropriate those blessings and steward those blessings and receive those blessings. And most blessings are conditional. You know, the whole book of Matthew states that blessed are those who, and then let's say walk in mercy. Let's just look at that a minute. There are conditions of walking in high-level blessing and Jesus Christ himself teaches this in the book of Matthew. Okay? Look at this with me a minute. Blessing. <clears throat> um, if you look at Matthew 5, uh, Jesus gets this crowd around at the Sermon on the Mount and he goes... Blessed are those who mourn. I'm in verse 4. Matthew 5, verse 4. Blessed are, are you, are those who mourn. And that's a form of inner, of inner longing, of inner passion, an inner desire. Like a, like a, like a how can I put this? Like a holy longing. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. That means those whose 
will is yielded to the will of another. It doesn't say weak, it means meek. Blessed are those whose will is yielded to the will of another. Not my will, but your will be done. That is the definition of meekness. It's strength under, under the restraint of someone else. And there's a special blessing for those that are meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That means being rightly related to God and to people. And righteous meaning holy before God. There's a special blessing for those that hunger and thirst for right, a right relationship. Okay, so in other words, if you don't hunger and thirst, you are limiting God's ability to bless you because God's not going to bless sin. He's not going to bless pride. In fact, God's going to resist pride. God doesn't want to endorse pride. So it says God gives grace to the humble. There's a condition on that grace, humility. Now again, general grace is for everybody, humble or not. But the grace that we're going after, the blessing that we're going after, <clears throat> this is an unlimited open heaven before the Lord. <clears throat> Excuse me. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. The law of sowing and reaping comes into play. You sow mercy, you get mercy. Blessed. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart. There it is. For they will see God. Beloved, what higher blessing is there than to see God with the eyes of your heart, with your spirit, in His presence, face-to-face -face encounter with God. The only way that can happen is purity of heart. Now, why would Jesus teach why would Jesus teach that you can see God if it weren't possible? He's simply laying the criterion for that kind of God encounter. You're not going to see God in a state of unholiness. It's not going to happen because there will be immediate, there's judgment on your life proportionate to the level of your revelation. If you have revelation of God and then you violate that revelation, you're going to be judged. So there's, there's judgment. Uh, did, I, did, did that make sense? In other words, you're accountable to the degree of your revelation. And if you have this huge revelation of God, and then you go out and, ca and, then, and then disobey Him blatantly, there's a, there's a more severe judgment on your life. Take Lucifer, for example. A cr straight, direct line to God's face. So when he sinned, he was cast out of heaven for eternity. There was no coming back. So that's why we go from glory to glory, from glory to glory, in progressive development so that we can withstand this level of glory. Now that's not to freak you out. That's to say God is taking you on a trajectory into greater and greater blessing. Now here's the thing. There's a jealousy in God's heart to bless you with unlimited abundance. He has already purchased all these blessings. They're in your bank account. But he has to have you fit this criterion to receive the increased levels of these blessings. He's not casual about them because these blessings aren't just for you. You are going to be blessed to be a blessing. And you are a son of Abraham. 
So the blessings that were on Abraham get on Abraham's seed. And if you're a believer, you are in the seed of Abraham and you are under the blessings of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the blessings that came on Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Moses, Elijah, Elisha, King David, all of them belong to you. Belong to you through Jesus Christ and His shed blood. And beloved, this is a massive promise before God. Now I want to, I want to sort of define this idea of blessing. And favor is actually even another state altogether. Favor is a whole nother reality and a whole nother dynamic. But I'll, let's just put it, let's just define blessing like this. Within inside of your human spirit, your heart, are deep longings that God put there. You were hardwired by heaven for a deep realities to meet the deepest needs of your heart. So God put needs in your heart, longings in your heart. And to be blessed means that the longings in your heart are being fulfilled. That's what that means. Now, you guys know longings physical. We have physical longings that were built in God's created order. We have longings for water, longings for food. We have longings for sleep. We have longings. There's longings or deep passions, deep desires that our body craves because without those fulfillment of those longings, we can't live. So God puts longings in us so that we're not so stupid as to ignore those needs. So when you get dry and thirsty, that means you're dehydrated and you have that longing is give me a drink, give me a drink quick. So the longings were embedded in your body so that you would be sure to go after the corresponding need, the corresponding way to meet those needs in the universe. There wouldn't be a longing in your heart if there wasn't a way in the universe for that longing to be fulfilled. How cool is that? God would never set you up with a longing that, you, that cannot be fulfilled. Now your soul has longings. Your mind, will, and emotions. They have longings too, and we won't go into those. But there's a lot of them that your soul longs for. But now listen to this. Your spirit man is even more sophisticated than your soul and bodies put together. And woven into your spirit man are a long list of deep longings. Deep passions. Deep things that you must have. They're non-negotiable. You've been set up for them. And these longings in your heart or your spirit must be satiated the right way or it doesn't work. And you can feed your spirit counterfeit things that have the perception of meeting the longings of your heart, but don't really do that. Okay, so there are counterfeit ways to meet the longings of your heart, and there are appropriate things to meet the longings of your heart. Now let's, let's list some of the longings of our heart. Well, the deepest longings of your heart, or your spirit, is to honestly know your daddy in heaven. You have a longing to know who, who, who you came from. You have a longing to know your daddy. You also have a longing to know who you are. You have a longing to know your own identity as a son or a daughter. You've got to know that. You've got to really know who you are as a celestial being of light. 
And if your identity is beneath who you really are, you're going to feel an, a, a deep, desperate hurt in your heart. It's going to be frustrated. You're going to feel a frustration because you don't know who you are. And that longing isn't getting, that longing isn't getting met. Okay? You have a longing to be, to be pleasing to the Father. You have a longing to please Him and to be pleasing. That, that's a longing in your spirit. You've got to know that you're making God happy. And He's happy with you and you're happy with Him. There's a longing in your heart to please the Lord. Okay? That's a longing. There's a longing in your heart for belonging, for connecting, for affection, for intimacy, for oneness. Into me see. Intimacy. There's a longing for oneness. There's a longing to open your heart and connect it with the Father and God's family. You've, you long for intimacy. And you can find counterfeit intimacy all the time. Or you can find real intimacy. But it's going to cost you. Alright? You long. You long to make a to make an impact. You long to do something great. Even into eternity. You long to leave a legacy. You could, the idea that you wasted your life, you, it should torment you. you. You should not, you should not, you God put a longing in your heart to do something meaningful. To bear fruit. To multiply. You have a longing I mean, a longing to be great. You have a longing to be great. God put that longing in you to be great. And it says, well, that sounds like pride. No, it's not. God made you to want to be great. Now, greatness in the kingdom. That's a whole other topic. Famous in heaven. Great in the kingdom. But you know what? Your longing to be great is super important for you to understand and to cultivate. You know what else? You have a longing to be, to be beautiful, to be radiant, to, to evidence the beauty of God. You have a longing to be attractive inside and out. You have a longing to be beautiful. Did you ever think about that? When I shave, yeah. yeah when, you, when you shave, it, you're reminded of how beautiful you already are. Yeah, there's a longing to have offspring. There's a longing to have offspring, to make disciples, to have spiritual sons, to be fruitful and to multiply. I could go on and on and on. There are so many longings in your heart that are not negotiable. And guess what? You're never going to get away from these. And torment is when you cannot get those longings met. Torment is, is, the, is the lack of having those deep needs met in your life. That's torment. And guess what? The opposite of curses, which is not, not, getting, not getting blessed, not getting your needs met, is called a cursed life. And getting those needs met is called a blessed life. And getting those needs met a lot is called a really blessed life. And that's what you want. You want a really blessed life. That's what it means to be blessed. And favor, favor is what you need in order to, be, in order to fulfill the blessing. Favor is when God uh, inspires people to treat you better than most. When doors open, when things happen, that's favor. 
Favor is getting the power and the ability to, to, to do that which you're blessed and called to do. Favor is finances. Favor is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Favor is when people think well of you. Favor is when your name is, is gotten out there so your name is made great so you can make His name great. It's not to be famous the way the world defines it. It's in order to have, it's in order to have influence so that you can uh, do your calling, do your destiny. So there are these keys to being blessed. And I, I want to tell you something. I want so badly as a, as a spiritual dad in this family for you to have the highest, most blessed life you could possibly have and for you to end well. And so I'm going to give you five keys to living a blessed life. And as we go into 2017, I want you, we're going to, we're going to focus on a blessed life. We're going to build and do what it takes to be blessed and to have favor in ways that are extraordinary. And not only that, you are going to teach other people how to have a blessed life because your life is going to start getting blessed more than you can ever think or imagine. So, here we go. Remember God. God is love, yes? God is big time love. And love always desires to bless the subject of its affection. He, 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 God can't wait to bless you. He can't wait to pour out more and more blessing on your life and to meet those deep longings of your heart. You know who's standing between you and more blessing? It isn't your spouse. It isn't your enemy. It isn't someone else. You, you stand, your false self stands between you and your own blessing. No one else. As a matter of fact, God is going to send enemies in your life and resistance in your life in order to bless you. Because betrayal and enemies are the doorway into the world of blessing. You won't even get into your blessing without a good enemy and a good betrayal. Just ask David. David could not have taken the throne into the, and the blessings of God without Goliath. He had to go through Goliath to get to, to his kingly rule. And so there are going to be setups in your life, hard events, harsh events, confusing things, and, and people that are going to misunderstand you and betray you and talk about you. All of those things are going to be designed to force you to see your false self, to walk your false self to the cross, so that your true self can handle a greater amount of blessing. Yeah, Goliath was probably easier than Saul. David had to go through both Absalom and Saul. He had to go through a, a, quote, a, a, a spiritual father that wanted to kill him out of jealousy and a spiritual son that tried to usurp the kingdom. Both of those challenges were in his life and both were necessary to forge his character to sustain the blessings that God wanted to give him. You're not going to get out of this thing without a, ch a challenge. Because, let me tell you, it's your false self that's standing between you and your true self getting blessed. 
So God has to take your false self out. The only way that's going to happen is if He exposes your false self through offensive things. And offensive things expose your offendability. And that offendability inside of you is your false self. And that false self has to come into the light because it's hiding deep within the recesses of your soul. It's a tricky little brat that doesn't want to be discovered. It's a whining, complaining, critical little brat that is an orphan. And that orphan inside of you is what's stopping you from being awesome. And so God has to put you into uncomfortable situations, extremely uncomfortable situations, to expose your immaturity and to expose that you've been ruled by your false self most of the time. Now your false self is connected deeply to eros, which is selfish. It's self-preferring. And your true self is agape, selfless. And so when God sets you into community, He sets you into community, He sets you into circumstances, and what does that do? It exposes your false self and your selfishness. Why does He want to do that? Not because He wants to embarrass or humiliate you, but because He wants you to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and the people of God and walk that false self to the cross, die to your false self, so that your true self can handle more blessing. Do you know it's the worst thing in the world for God to hand a lot of blessings to an orphan? I'm sorry, but the dumbest thing in the world is to hand a fast car to an irresponsible teenager that has no interest in, in keeping the law. So our false self is a bratty teenager that wants to do what it wants to do when it wants to do it, and you don't. Why would God ever want to hand you power, signs and wonders, wisdom and revelation, favor to a brat, to a spoiled person that's going to draw attention to themselves and detract grace away from God? Why would He ever do that? So the the the, the journey into blessing is a hard one, but an awesome one, and it will challenge you at the very deepest core of your being. And the reason why God brought us together in a, in a tribe, in a family, is so that we could fight for one another out of our false selves and the prison of the false self and into the freedom of being fully alive as a son of God, daughter of God. You need to know that your false self and Eros love will swirl you into a self-absorbed prison and you'll go around and around and around and around until such time as you repent deeply. And in deep repentance, and in deep walking your false self to the cross, suddenly you will feel an anointing and a lubricating influence of the grace of God on your spirit, man, and you will walk into things you've never thought possible. So that will not happen outside of community. That will not happen outside of family. There is absolutely no way you can walk in sonship, become a son, by the word, that's a family term, or bride, that's a family term, without family. In close proximity, in relationships, whatever, you have to deal with your fears, deal with your pride, and practice walking openly before God and people and walking into your true self. False selves, orphan people hide. They conceal themselves, they hide, they never tell the truth, they don't live in the light. 
A true self does not have walls. They don't hide. They, they, tra- they live in the light. So guess what? We've been drawn together to go on a journey into sonship, into family, so that we can assist one another into the full blessings of God and the fulfilling of the destinies He has in our life. How cool is that? But the journey won't be easy. It won't be without difficulty and challenge. It will be, it will be fraught with landmines. But we've got to pass these tests, beloved, because on the other side of every pass is a blessing, is more blessing and more fulfillment of those deep longings in your heart. So here are five, five things that you need to walk in uh, to walk into the blessings of God. And I'm going to have to develop this over the next number of months. Okay? I'm going to lay them out, the five things first, and then I'm going to back, it, back up and, see, and, and go over them. I'm going to go slow. The first thing you develop to go into a life of blessing is a life of prayer, a life of intimacy, a life of communion with God, prayer, in which you invoke the blessing and favor of God and decree it with your words. So a life of prayer is the doorway into blessing. And you're going to see that there is absolutely no release of blessing unless you ask for it. You have not because you ask not. Or, and by prayer, I'm not just talking about requesting things. I'm also, also talking about decreeing things. You decree verbally blessings over each other's lives. And we're going to actually do that today at the end. We're going to decree the blessing of, in, in the book of Numbers. You're, okay, the second one is reading and obeying the Bible. I can show you lots of verses that talk about the blessing, the, the blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. That's what it says in Revelations 1.3. Now that blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy is not just in reference to the book of Revelation. That's in reference to the entire Bible. Blessed are those who read and obey the word of God. That is why this book has to be with us and in us all the time. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. That's what it says in Joshua 1.8. Okay, third, I'm going to just say it again, but I'm going to say it real boldly and later. Blessing comes directly through obedience. Every time you obey God's voice, you will open the door to an increased level of blessing. Here's a crazy word in, in, in the book of Acts. It says God gives the Holy Spirit that, that we can obey. But then it says He gives the Holy Spirit when we obey. Is that a crazy thing? There's an increased anointing on people that obey. Because the Holy Spirit is all about being holy. So when the Holy Spirit inspires you to be holy and then you're actually holy because you cooperate, then there's a greater release of the Holy Spirit activated in your life. How's that for amazing? So is it possible to quench the Spirit? Mm-hmm. Is it possible to grieve the Spirit? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How do you grieve the Spirit? Disobedience. It's kind of simple, but it's profound. And again, we can talk a whole bunch more on this. The fourth one, and I think this goes missing in the body of Christ today, and it's one of the top revelations we're, we're trying to rediscover. 
Okay, the fourth one is the degree of your intimacy with the natural and spiritual family will be the degree to which you're blessed. Psalm you know, 110 describes, Blessed are they when they dwell in unity, for the oil of God comes down upon them. God gives glory that we could be one, because oneness gives Him glory. When we come into oneness, we conduct the anointing at a very high level. It's called the mediation of grace. God mediates, He conducts His grace through the dynamic of connected hearts. That's powerful. Super powerful. Okay, where's an example of this? In the, in the, in the book of Ephesians, or the letter of Ephesians, Paul writes, you know, sons and daughters, honor your father and mother, for it will go well with you. Okay, now, that doesn't mean if they ask us to do an evil thing, we do it. But it says, honor your father and mother, for you, for you, you will be safe and successful. Now, He's the, the, the Apostle Peter writes, young men submit to old men, or young women submit to old women, whatever. Why? Because God gives grace to the humble. Now this is not talking about submission just to God. It's talking about submission to key people that God sovereignly put in your life. And the way you open your heart, connect your heart, is the way you'll receive the grace of God into your spirit man. So God is going to set you into divine order relationally. And these people aren't optional. You can't just say, well, you know, I'll take them and I'll leave them. If I don't like what's going on, if I don't like what they're doing, screw it, I'm out of here. Now that's the average attitude of the American church. I'm offended, I'm upset. You know, no, no sense of sovereign joinings. No sense that God's put me around a people and I guarantee you he's going to put you around a people that, are, that have false selves and have, and have issues. He's, there's no perfect family, natural or spiritual. So you're going to have to handle being with a group of people that are perfect. That still doesn't exempt us from dishonoring them. You know, you're not perfect parents, right? But that doesn't give your children the right to dishonor you. At all. And when it comes time for you to give them an order, you give them an order, they're called to honor you quickly, cheerfully, and immediately. And by the way, sometimes you don't negotiate, hey, here's a choice, take this, you know, here's a choice, here's a choice. Sometimes you just tell them, look, I'm the boss, I'm the, I'm the authority in your life, and this is... This is a command, <laughs> you know, you're going to do this. You're going to go brush your teeth right now. I'm sorry. It's not negotiable. Now, yes, there's times as they grow older, you go, you can brush your teeth or you can sleep on the floor. I mean, you know, take your pick and you give them options. Okay. But, but there are times when you have to operate in the authority you've been given because you know, you know what's in their best interest. That's not a license for control and manipulation ever. But there is a real thing called divine order. Not everyone's equal in rank in the kingdom. We're all equally loved, but we're not all in equal rank. And there's people that we, we all need to submit to the Christ and all of each other, but not everyone in this room is of equal authority or equal rank in the kingdom right now. That doesn't mean God doesn't love you anymore or less. It just means you're somewhere on the continuum in the army of God.
And so we all have to have an, a, an approach to life of humility and submission. And I do it, you do it, no one's exempt from this. To the degree that I'm submitted, that I'm connected to the Christ in you, to the Christ and other people that are in, in government in my life, is the degree to which I open my life up to much blessing from God. And if I put walls up in my mind and heart, and I, and I have sweet rebellion, you know, that's the appearance of being connected, when in reality, you know, I'm not. I remember a guy telling a story, you know, about his little kid, you know, and um, he told his kid, you know, to, you know, to, um, you know, sit down, and his kid wouldn't sit down. He said, I said, sit down, his kid wouldn't sit down. So finally he forced the kid to sit down. He goes, I may be sitting down, but I'm standing up in my heart. <laughs> you know, and it's like, ooh, you know, you can just... You can just see that attitude, just that rebellion that, that, that uh, you know, I might be sitting down, I might be complying with you, but I have no interest in honoring your heart. And so God wants to diffuse us of that attitude, that bratty attitude that lacks submission to the body of Christ. You know why? Because he's trying to get you blessed. He's trying to get me blessed. And I'm sorry, but there's a whole bunch of blessings I'm going to get when I submit to the Christ and someone else. And if I decide to dismiss them out of hand because I don't like them or like what they're saying, I'm just setting myself up for resistance. Does everybody understand that point? It's, it's a tough one for Americans, but it's a, it's a true, it's a truth. Now the fifth one, the fifth one is a very hard topic for us to hear about because we've been so manipulated by it, so abused in this conversation. But I'm going to tell you, it's a very real one, and it's, it's all about tithes and offerings. Tithes and offerings are one of the greatest doors into the blessings of God. It's the law of sowing and reaping. And, in, and if you want to read a powerful verse about the, about the one area you can test God in, and it's Malachi 3, verse 8, you you are going to have to play ball with your money in the kingdom. Malachi 3.8. Why? Because where our, where our hearts are, are our treasures. And there's a direct correspondence between the condition of our heart and the way we steward our money. And all of the money belongs to God, but He lets me use 80% or 85% because I also have offerings I want to give. So the way I manage money in the kingdom is a very big doorway. It's a very big test. And I've heard Bill Johnson say this. He was a great quote. He goes, money management, especially tithes and offerings, is kindergarten in the Holy Spirit. You know, we always think it's like graduate school. If I get around to tithing, he goes, no, no, no. Tithing is kindergarten in the Holy Spirit, in, in the kingdom of God. It's, it's like first base. It's like, it's like for establishing the, the government of God and the kingly rule of Christ. You know, until money is, is dealt with in our hearts, there, there is, there is, we really haven't settled the issue of who's, who's the king. Who's the king? So those are the five 
keys to breaking through into the blessings and favor of God? Well, let's just say them out loud. Number one is prayer. Prayer. Communing with God. Two, reading and obeying the Bible. Yep. Three is similar, but it's got a rhema word to it. Three is what? Obedience. Four is? Intimacy, connection with the, with the natural and spiritual family. Oh, that was four. And then five? Tithing, tithes and offerings. Okay. Um, I am going to have Sue send you, or yeah, Sue will send you this little, bit, this little sheet. It's a brief little bits of notes. And in the bottom of this is a link to the teaching Wes Campbell did on the topic of blessing at Tribal Gathering. It's powerful. It's really powerful. Now what I want to do is, is read together Psalm 67. It's very short. And then we're going to decree a blessing out of the book of Numbers. Now, the reason why I started off with prayers being the number one is because prayer is really the restoring of the tabernacle of David or restoring praise and worship. And praise and worship is really saying that our greatest blessing is God Himself. Can you guys just pause on that a minute? In fact, I'd like you to think about something. I'd like you to think about God Himself as a standalone, as the ultimate blessing. And if you got none of the other needs met, which by the way, the God is the first need, right? But if all you got is God, how big would that be? Wouldn't that be like, because uh, guess what? That's what you're going to get into eternity. You're going to get His face. You're going to get His eyes. You're going to get His blazing fire. He's an all-consuming fire. You're going to get the throne room. You're going to get angels. You're going to get massive, loud, crazy worship and dance. You are going to get a life before the glory of God that's extraordinary into eternity. So if you get God, you get the blessing. Now here's the crazy part. The Ark of the Covenant, which was moved into the tabernacle of David... When he reestablished, when David was reestablishing his government, what did he do? He built a tabernacle and he put an ark in it. Why was he? Why did he do that? Because that symbolized God. He wanted God in his backyard, and he, got it. and he got him. When you get God, he got the glory clouds. He got the presence. He got God. He got God. Now, when you get God, you get everything that God brings. You don't go to God in order as a means to an end of getting money, you know, and, and of getting more people to like you. You just get God. And that there's a big gap between God as the blessing and then all the other things that come with God, like healing. So we want to make sure that God is our, is our ultimate target of blessing. He is the blessing. God is the blessing. And what we want to understand is that woven into praise and worship, woven into when God moves in the house, everything comes with it. Why are we establishing the tabernacle of David? Why are we doing a fa father's house of prayer? Why are we trying to organize every hour on the hour to be filled with prayer? Why? Because we've read the Bible. 
And we know that in, in the book of Acts, it says God is restoring the tabernacle of David. He's going to turn the church into lovers of God, worshipers of God, who have God as their first priority. The first commandment becomes the first commandment. And he's just reestablishing the church on the first commandment where they love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and they can't contain themselves in praise and worship. And they dance before Him with enthusiasm. And so God gave us two plants, two buildings. Now, obviously, we're the house of prayer. You're the temple of God, right? The Holy Spirit lives in you. You're a walking, talking house of prayer. But He's also given us a facility so that we can get our bodies in and out of Wyoming weather. Uh, or Colorado weather. He's given us a facility in the inner city. He's given us two physical plants as a point of reference to gathering together corporately to worship and praise Him. And we're going to do that down here in due time. But this reestablishing the tabernacle of David is the doorway into blessing. Move the Ark of the Covenant into your house. Move praise and worship into your life. Move the presence of God into the center of your being and all the other stuff comes with it. All the longings of your heart get met. Praise the Lord. I'll tell you, another longing of your heart is the longing to be awed and wowed. And that comes from signs and wonders and miracles. Another one of the longings of your heart is to be powerful. Why do you need to be, have power? You need to have power to rule and reign. And the worst thing in the world is to feel powerless and anemic and resisted. And a curse is, the, the definition of a very curse is the resistance of God. Now I want to tell you something. Most of us are walking around with a very, very low level of blessing on our life proportioned to what God wants to do. And I don't want to insult me, you, anybody. But I'm saying we are very much living beneath the blessings of, of God. Very much. There's a, there's, a, there's a lukewarmness. There's a mildness about us. There's an indifference. There's a, that lukewarmness, that, that, that Americana way of approaching life has cut us off from the fullness of living out of the supernatural blessings of God. And I am sick of this. My longings of my heart. I cannot keep going where we are, where I am. I will not, I cannot. I am one of those guys that says, I'm grieving, I'm mourning. I'm mourning. Blessed are those who mourn. I'm mourning. I'm not happy. And God doesn't want me happy. God likes it. Like the holy agitation in my spirit, He likes that. He put that there. He goes, your longings haven't been satiated yet, have they, Tim? I go, no, they haven't. Now, I could buy the American dream, and we could right now close down this whole thing, Janet and I, and go get little superficial jobs and hang on till retirement and just play, you know, take little frequent trips to the beach and then to the mountains and then to the beach and to the mountains and live for ourselves and satiate the worldly passions of our false self and become little Eros people and just live the way the American dream. Guess what would happen? My longings would start being, I would literally start getting dulled inside of me. Because you can choose the degree of your longings. 
And, and when your appetite starts shutting down, when your appetites of hunger and thirst start shutting down in your spirit, man, you better be very concerned you're under judgment right now. In the natural, what happens when you lose your appetite? If you're working out and living healthy and you're rigorous and you lose your appetite, what, happen, what, what is that a sign of in the natural? You're sick. You're sick. Something is desperately wrong. If you're living a healthy, active, vibrant life, you should be ravished and starving. I mean, you should really like stuff, to eat stuff, good food. If you are not ravishing in your spirit, man, you are already under judgment. You're already under resistance. Something is very sick inside of you. You should be very concerned if you're not hungry and thirsty for the manifest presence of God in your life. If you can go day after day after day being indifferent to, to pre God's presence, you got to know something desperately wrong is going on and you are in fact demonized. And furthermore, you've welcomed that in your life because here's the craziest and most scariest thought. Whatever you want in the kingdom, you will get. God will give you what you want. If you want to live a, a life of selfishness, God will give it to you. He is the least controlling and manipulative being you've ever met. He is super into love. If you want quail, you will get quail. If you want, you know, a, a, a snowy mountain or a sunny beach and, and, and you're fine with that, you will get exactly what you want. And the day needs to happen in this family. And I don't care how many we, we, we have. Janet told me, like, Janet and I have made a very serious decision before the Lord. We're going to go after the fullness of God's presence and the fullness of God's blessings. And we're going to entertain the Lord in this home. We're going to do everything we can to live holy lives before God. So he's welcome here. All the angels are welcome here. And I really don't care who shows up. Now, I prefer you to show up. I prefer people to show up who want the same things. But I'm not going to compromise my life for anything less than the fullness of God's blessing, especially God Himself. And so my job as a father leader type is to inspire and motivate you with the very things that are motivating me. This is not something that I'm giving as a message and then running off and then doing something different. This is what I live. This is where I'm at. This is where Mono and Lori are. This is who we are. Now, have we lived up to full, the fullness of that? No. But do we want to and will we? Yes, we will. We absolutely will. And nothing is going to stand between me and the face of God. Nothing can stop me except me and my desires and my appetites and my wants and my longings. So this, the place you start, if you're in a dull spot, is you go, God, you've got to increase my hunger and thirst. Increase my hunger and thirst today, right now. I am, I am desperately concerned in the fear of the Lord with my level of hunger and thirst. And that right there is a good start. Guess what will happen? He'll start turning up your appetite. When you turn up your appetite, you'll eat the Word. What happens when you eat the Word? You get more hungry. <laughs> That's the coolest part about the Word. It doesn't just, it satisfies, but it makes you hungrier. 
It satisfies, but it makes you hungrier. It satisfies, but it makes you hungrier. Is that great? And so you'll start, rather than spinning down in Eros, in a prison of going around the mountain, you'll start spinning up into eternity and into the destiny that God has on your life. Okay. Psalm 67, and then we'll do a blessing. Psalm 67. Psalm 67. And this is, again, preparing us for the Daniel fast. Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us. Can we just read that together? Let's just read the Psalm 67. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm in uh, NIV. NIV. Uh, okay. And you guys can read it in your own version. But we're going to read this out loud. This is a blessing. By the way, I'll put my hand on my own head. I, I've done that. I've done that. I'm doing that every day now. And I'm going to start putting my... I, I used to put my hand on Janet's head and my kid's head and bless them every day. And I stopped doing that because I'm dull. And I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to go back and I'm going to start speaking blessing on my wife, on my grandkids, on my kids, on you. I'm going to start blessing you out loud. So we're, blessings have to be spoken out loud. Because words, verbal blessings have power. Words have power in the spirit world. Okay, you ready? We're going to read this together. Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face shine upon us that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Oh my goodness. You can't get it. That, that psalm of blessing will change your life. Now we're going to do one more, and this time we're going to stand up. We're going to touch each other, and we're going to read one of the most important blessings in the Word of God. Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. And Janet, come over here, and you guys get around each other. Let's stand up. Numbers chapter 6. Start with verse 22, but we'll read verse 24. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. Put your hand on somebody. Come on. There you go. And I want to tell you something. This is not a perfunctory and superficial thing. This is actually work. Somebody get your hand on Amanda, get your hand on David. Or Shannon, David, yeah, whatever, touch him, he touches you. Because there's contact. Remember the patriarchs, they would lay their hands on people. Okay? Shannon, you got, you're, you're being touched, okay? Are you ready? <laughs> the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, keep going. I invoke the name of the Lord on the sons of Israel. I will then, I then will bless them. That's the fullness of it. Because when you invoke the name of the Lord on someone, then the Lord has to revisit his name. So you need to continue there. On to verse 27? Yep. Okay, let's do that again. So they will put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. Bless them. Explain that one more time, Mano. That was profound. Mm. Uh, I was just saying that when we invoke the name of the Lord on one another, on our children, on each other, like the Aaronic, Aaronic blessing was to invoke the name of the Lord on the people, so that God will then come and visit the name. His name on the people that he and, mm-hmm. and when they invoked the blessing, they they had hand signals. So on the one side, it, it was shalom. Well, the first letter of the word shalom. On the other side, it was like blessing, mm-hmm. and so they could not like they could not give that that Aaronic blessing if they were grieving or mourning or sad. It was imp- you had to give it in joyfulness it had to be you were you were um, removed from uh, being giving the blessing if you were in those conditions and the, when the name of something comes on something their very essence the the name and their essence are one in Hebrew culture so when the name of the Lord comes on you that's why a name is a very powerful thing when the name of the Lord comes on you there is powerful blessing now I want to tell you this I started getting under Father blessings, and it changed my life. My life changed radically when I yielded to the blessings of fathers. And I meet many, many older men that have never had a father's blessing, and they're walking in orphanness beneath the destinies and callings on their life. And in this house, we want to start aggressively, enthusiastically imparting the blessings of the Father, even if people are older or younger than us. Blessing is going to be our culture. Much blessing is going to be our culture. So those of you that are listening, I want you to stay involved with the Rock Tribe, with our storyline, not because we're any better than anybody else, but because we're in a conversation right now of how to walk in the fullness of the kingdom, the fullness of blessing. In Jesus' name, we love you all. Amen.